0: hello again everyone my name is david Bastel. i'm the host of the real estate edition podcast coming up on this month's show we talk with Natalka falcomer president of ojo home canada we'll discuss a number of topics including lead generation the impact white glove service has on your business and the changing wants and needs of the consumer as always, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you're listening today, and we thank you for doing so. Now, our conversation with Natalka.
1: You're listening to this month's episode of The Real Estate Edition with host David Bastel. <laughs>
0: Natalya, you have an extensive background in real estate, law, business. Can you talk about that and how you came to be in this role that you're in today?
1: Awesome. David, great question because, you know, I found myself and I'm going to get to that question, but I'm going to do the classic like lawyer thing that I (laughs) I happen to be, like I'll go around the question before directly hitting on it. You know, it's funny, whenever you hear about someone running a company or building a career, what have you, you always think it's like straight line. You know, they were four, they knew what they were doing, and they planned the rest of their lives accordingly. And I think that's so not the case for so many of us. And it has certainly not been the case for me. <laughs> so, uh, frankly, I am an immigrant kid. Um, you know, I, I came from two parents who, who carted themselves with no, you know, classic story, no money in their pockets. My mom was homeless when she came to Canada. They built their careers here. And in no uncertain terms, did that mean that I did not have the option to dream about doing cool things like you, David, becoming a TV host? <laughs> I was relegated to the job of lawyer at five and that was it. Um, but, but as things go in one's life and as we follow down those certain paths, we realize there's a whole side to us that, that can extend beyond just the things that were relegated to us as immigrant children's happen to be. And very quickly I fell in love with more of the creative side of me. And, and so you're going to say, how does this fit into the bigger picture of your career? Well, it kind of dabbled, and I would like to say and emphasize, dabbled across so many different things. I knew instantly um, after I graduated from law school at Osgoode and landed, landed myself on evil Bay Street that I, I wasn't cut out for just, you know, punching the clock and moving up the corporate ladder, particularly the law the law firm that I was at. It was a wonderful law firm. But I certainly just couldn't see myself doing that. And I quickly knew, and I had always known that I would get into real estate. Again, being an immigrant child, the big rule of thumb was you buy real estate, you buy land. And that was something that was really important and ingrained within me and my family since since quite young. So I knew real estate somehow, but I didn't know exactly. And so what I ended up doing was I, I... Ran away from Bay Street. At the same time, I actually published a cookbook. That was my creative side to me. Landed Some TV gigs, which is how I got a TV show, actually, for a short stint, David. Um, Talking about the thing that everyone loves to talk about the most. Not. Legal stuff. <laughs> it was a snooze fest. It was a snooze fest. But if you had legal problems, you could call in and get those things solved. So it was kind of intriguing um, to, to listen to other people's problems. But anyway, from that, that Bay Street world, I got my real estate sales license at the same time because I knew I wanted to buy my own real estate and build my own portfolio. I happened to talk, tap on the shoulder of two cowboys literally cowboys, that's how I describe them, that started a REIT in the medical office space. I always thought that medical office was a really good like AAA type of of, uh, building or asset to own because your doctors, no matter what, are always paying rent. So I decide that I'm going to go down that world buying medical office buildings. It made sense to me as an asset. So I tap on the shoulder of these two guys who built a REIT in that space beforehand and were starting another REIT again, just starting brand new Scratch. And I wanted to talk to them simply to talk to them about the industry. As I was applying to do my MBA, I was going to start doing my MBA in a month or two in uh, real estate at Schulich. And lo and behold, uh, they said, Natalko, Why don't you instead join us and help build this company? And that will be your MBA. We'll pay you, not much, Mm -hmm. but we'll pay you instead of you paying the school to do it. And we'll give you a real, a real education in business. And they weren't lying. From day one, David, day one, it was just the three of us. Okay, no infrastructure, nothing. And I literally had to learn how to build a company from nothing. I'm talking about... No file folders, no system, no mechanism, no leases. You know, we own medical buildings, nothing. And uh, when I started, we had one building under our belt in Jenny Trout, sorry, two and one in Medicine Hat. And when I decided to leave, uh, we had about eight buildings across Canada, well over 200 tenants. I had hired a staff, a team, built a leasing, prop- leasing division and a property management division. And from there, I knew how to build businesses within this space. And that's actually where I interacted with all sorts of things. Let it be uh, tenants, landlords, uh, leasing managers, lots and lots and lots of realtors, um, law, finance, the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from there, I built my law practice, which I just recently sold in commercial leasing. Um, and as a result of that experience in building companies, I kind of made my way into the brokerage world, which I helped uh, expand a. Uh, Royal uh, Royal pa- Royal LePage, excuse me, brokerage in the downtown core. Right, Had some success there. From there was an ask to help build Chestnut Park, which is a great luxury brokerage. as our EVP of corporate development. And then that's how I fell in love with and tripped over Ojo. Yes. And literally... Begged, begged Ojo, (laughs) let me go. They came to Canada, so I'll stop right there. Yeah,
0: wow. You know what? Um, There's so many different takeaways from that last answer. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm already writing down a whole bunch of stuff, and I think you and I are going to have to talk about this cookbook soon. But we'll get to that in a bit. And you know, but that's just a small part of it too. So okay, so let's let's talk about Ojo because you mentioned that, and we really want to hit on this as well. So you're you're now the president of Ojo Canada, which was previously just a U.S.-based company. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about what Ojo is for listeners that don't quite know? Uh, There are a lot of people that do know, but for anybody that doesn't, what it is and why the business came to Canada?
1: Great question. Great question. So what Ojo happens to be is well, what let's say let's talk about what we do. We prepare yes. people to be successful homeowners. I know from now being in the brokerage industry for several years that the biggest obstacle that consumers have, that home buyers have, is actually getting into it, getting the information they need to make the right decisions, so that they don't overpay, but they also don't buy a lemon. And we do it not by eliminating the realtor. I really believe the realtor is the core, and that's our belief as well of the home buying journey, but rather what we do is we empower home buyers with technology and with tools and information, and we match them with realtors that are part of our network. So it is fundamental to our business to ensure that we not only empower the home buyer, but that we also get the home buyer connected to the best of the best in the industry, that means realtors that have experience, realtors who um, are not uh, just doing it, you know, at the back of a napkin. That they're actually really ingrained within the communities that they serve to help those home buyers find their right home. Wow.
0: Okay. So now, 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 when looking a little deeper into Ojo, what is the what is Ojo's value proposition?
1: Hmm. Depends on for whom. Okay. So the, the proposition is different for the realtor versus the, the home buyer yep. and the home seller for that matter. So if I'm a home buyer, what I absolutely love about our site, and it's going to get better and better and better, is that we provide essentially a richness of data and information For a home buyer to not only compare different properties, but search for the properties, not just by two bedrooms and two bathrooms, but by things that suit them. What do I mean by that? And this is actually why I fell in love with Ojo. Mm -hmm. Because let's say I really want a waterfront and I have a budget of $250,000. I could put that in and I could literally search out the word waterfront. Unlike other search platforms, you're going to get water table a pool, or or random (laughs) things, right? Yes. We actually are able to then deliver to you waterfront properties. And if we find properties that are a little bit over budget, may not completely appeal to the waterfront concept, maybe it's beside a pond, we are then able to use our AI to redirect you to a home that may actually still fit within your budget, for example, and address that need that you have may not be totally on point to what you wanted just to open up the doors to see if there's something else that you may want to look for. I think that's brilliant. And in fact, David, I'm going to go back one step. Sure. The reason why I joined Ojo is because I knew it actually solved a problem for the home buyer and the home seller and as well as the realtor. So let's start with the home buyer. What I just told you about, searching for properties that actually match what you want beyond just two bedroom, two bathroom. Okay, that's table stakes, but two bedroom and two bathrooms doesn't tell me if it's in the neighborhood that I want, if it's pet friendly, if I can have a great spot for kids, if it's a great spot for a nightlife type of like type of a lifestyle, what have you. It doesn't do that, right? I fell in love with this because it allowed me to search by my lifestyle. Right. So that's one. The second one. Now this goes to how does it benefit realtors? Sure. Question that you talked about earlier. So this may come as a surprise, but all realtors are looking for ways to expand their network. And one way that a lot of realtors asked when I was at, at the various brokerages um, to do so, they would come and approach this, excuse me, they would approach me with things like um, what is it called? Lead gen. Right? These lead gen opportunities. And they'd say, look, Natalka, I only have to pay $5,000 a month. And they promised me leads. And every single time a realtor asked me about that, I said, are you out of your mind? Mm The reason being is because number one, you never want to pay for something upfront, particularly in our space where you eat what you kill, unless you are being paid somehow alongside with that, or at least guaranteed something, right? Okay, I'll give you, now I'll pay $5,000, but you're guaranteeing me at least two closes, for example, something of that nature, some sort of guarantee. So, invariably, these lead gen platforms would never do that. It's just, we'll give you leads. Um, They didn't define the quality of them. There's my evil lawyer coming out. What's Mm -hmm. the definition of lead? Um, How are you giving them to me? How are you procuring them yourself? Are they high intent? None of that, just leads. And so, I would always say that's a horrible idea. Enter Ojo. Ojo does things so differently for the realtor. Now, mind you, this is a trend that we could even talk about a little bit later. The way that realtors are finding their consumers or their buyers and sellers is actually a lot more different now than I would say even when I started out. And we'll talk about it in a second. One way that it's different is your online presence has to exist. And they are vetting you online or they're finding you online, more so than ever before. So Ojo solved a couple of problems that my realtors had. First of all, we never, never, never ask for an upfront fee. We match realtors who are part of our network with leads of high intent. And we do so only with respect to if there's a, excuse me, and we're compensating, excuse me, for a with respect to um, the lead being matched when the actual deal closes. So for example, let me be a little bit more clear about that. A lead comes into our platform. They literally click a button saying, I want to connect with a realtor. It's a little search question. There's no, uh, you know, bait and switch type of situation. It is someone who fundamentally at their core, their intention for reaching out to us is not for a home evaluation. It's to connect with a realtor right? So they come into our system. We then don't just give that email and phone number to the realtor, like most legion platforms do. Rather, what we do is we call them first and we vet them. We ask them about whether or not they're actually ready to buy. If they're working with a realtor, if they signed a contract, submitted an offer with another realtor, if they have good credit, if this is the first one they've bought all the questions that an amazing realtor will ask a lead before they start working. And we do this because what we've recognized in in the legacy Lead gen systems is that that never happens. So what happens is the realtor is then delivered an email and a phone number, half of which are fake. (laughs) And and, you're you're right, though. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're fake, and um, they have no idea why you're reaching out to them. They had no intention and no interest in reaching out to realtor. So these poor realtors then call these leads, (laughs) and they're embarrassed, right? It's such an embarrassing thing. If in fact they can get in touch with those leads, we don't do that. We vet them first. Now let's say that lead. Then says, um you know they you know they have good credit. They're not working with a realtor, so on and so forth. We then match them through our platform to a realtor live, meaning that the realtor no longer has to get a list of fake numbers and emails and call these people back. Rather, what happens is the realtor who wins that lead, it's sort of a, it's on our platform. You get a text message as a realtor, and you hit accept. The realtor's phone rings, and who's on the other line? Yeah. But us and the lead. And we make that live connection. No more chasing emails, no more chasing phone numbers. It is a live person who wants to talk to you. And that's the difference. Now, if in fact that realtor is successful and closes a lead, we only get compensated then. And it's a a fair referral fee of 25%. That's it. That's all folks. And so when I saw that platform, they made sense. Ojo made sense to me. And I said, I have to join and I have to bring this to Canada because for the realtors, it solves a big problem. And the problem really is, is getting, you know, getting a way to get in front of people and helping them through the home buying process. And more importantly, and actually maybe equally as importantly, I shouldn't say more importantly, but equally so, is that we also help the buyer. And we help the home buyer because we close the gap, no matter your background, between experience, financial ability, emotional capacity, we close the gap between those things and the ability for that buyer or seller or repeat buyer to shop and find a home with greater confidence. And so that is what we do that's so special is that we really understand and our purpose is to ready the homeowner or rather the buyer uh, for a successful home ownership journey
0: excellent yeah you, you know you touched on a lot of points there and you even touched on how uh you know your company is is different than other real estate search sites like like you just mentioned there so let's let's dig a little bit deeper because i wanted to use the example that you used in in one of your last answers about waterfront property so for example if you're using that in, in this next question so uh, how does ojo's ai uh work and how does it understand consumers then if somebody wants to maybe use that as an example or if there's a better example a better example natalka that we can use in that kind of situation
1: oh certainly um first of all ai and is is like a fancy way of saying math in my opinion (laughs) exactly why i never became accountant because i avoided it Uh, i avoided anything to do with numbers and so. I, I don't want to pretend like I know exactly how the AI works. I've I've been going over this pitch deck, let me tell you, David, a thousand times, sort of wrapped my mind behind it, that I'm pretty sure our tech team dumbed down just for me. And it still is incredibly sophisticated as to how um, – what it does essentially is it is it pulls the data information and the wording that the realtors use to describe the homes – And they filter it through our process that basically learns, for example, if um, here's a good example, the word pool, if if we see the word pool in a listing, that pool may not actually always refer to a pool outside, right? It could be a pool table, for example. Um, So, it's a lot more complicated than just saying, oh, we recognize a word. It looks at word association and then it figures out which properties match your search, right? Um, So that it's pulling up the relevant stuff and leaving behind the the listings that say pool table as opposed to pool, like your original search that you want to have, which happens to be um, a pool outside or a heated pool, for example. So essentially, again, to sort of repeat it from a different perspective, we are, we're looking at the listing information, the descriptions, all the different ways, even spelling variations of how the realtor has described a home. And when we do our search query as the consumer, we use our AI to figure out exactly what it is that you're looking for and pulling the ones that are relevant to you and leaving behind the ones that aren't. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does make sense. It's, uh, it, it's interesting. It's so
1: cool.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. And, and it's only going to get bigger and better throughout the next years, I'm assuming.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is the beginning. This is really the beginning, and the idea is again is to do a couple of things. Number one, you know, I I was just buying a home with with my fiance David. You and I were talking about before we started. Um, you know, we we you know got engaged, and now the next step. You know, I suppose as millennials do is forget <laughs> the wedding, let's go buy a home. Yeah. <laughs> it's expensive. And we could talk about all those barriers that first-time home buyers have um in Canada, happy to do so and how we're solving that. But but let's get to this point specifically. Now, me being in the in the industry, I have bought real estate in the past myself. Um, I'm a lawyer, I've played in the space, blah, blah, blah. I'm a realtor, broker of the whole thing, right? Okay. So even so, I was woefully ill-equipped to deal with my fiancé and him understanding the home buying journey, what he could afford, where he wanted to be, so on and so forth. Um, So for example, the issue that I had with him is that he didn't understand that because a home was listed for 999, it didn't mean it was going to sell for 999. There's a fundamental difference between list price and sale price. Yes. Uh, we provide that we provide that estimation there so the consumer knows, oh, it may be listed as 999, but it's going to sell for 1.56789 million, okay? Number 1, number 2 is where do we actually want to live? How do we want to live? so the current search process doesn't really help do that the realtor then spends weekends weekends oh my gosh i ended up ha- hiring a realtor david just to help us because i couldn't I, you know i felt so bad i couldn't get it across that okay we have to figure out how we want to live do we want to live in a downtown condo or town home or do we want to live at the outskirts of the backyard to fundamentally different very much <laughs> <And> so, so <laughs> Yes, going through that process we were looking at condos we were looking at homes we were looking at townhomes. We were looking at a backyard, no backyard, parking, no parking. Like all of these things that poor realtors do and spend weekends doing trying to educate the buyer before the buyer even is deciding whether or not they're going to buy. And that's what Ojo is trying to solve and what we're aiming at solving is how do we make sure that the consumer is ready to hit the ground running? Look, it may still take time for that buyer to actually buy the home or find the home that they love. But what we want to do is want to reduce that time, get them very keen and honed in into what they can actually afford, right? Very important. Um, Also, knowing where they want to live. how they want to live and whether or not the homes that we have on our Saturdays scheduled to take a look at actually suit, for example, a child or suit having um, a big dog versus a small dog. Like, for example, a search function that we have is like, you know, uh, suitable for big dogs, right? Great for back, great for big dogs or great for small dogs, great for cats, great for, you know, we, you can search that and we'll find the homes match the way you want to live. And so it's such a brilliant tool to get the buyer ready as well as get the realtor equipped to help support the buyer as well.
0: Okay, you talked about a lot of positives there. Uh, but I wanna I wanna reverse this a little bit to see what your perspective is on this. So when it comes to consumers, what are some of the major roadblocks you're seeing in relation to accessing the housing market and getting the information they need to make the biggest purchase of their lives? What what are you seeing from your standpoint right now on that?
1: So much. Yeah. Um, David, we can begin. Um so we could we could talk about the, the down payment component that's really hard that's sure. one um there, and that could be just a, a topic in and of itself so let me let me do this instead let me list the various things that, and, and even given my latest experience how ojo's fitting in to solve it so there's the obvious it's the down payment one thing that we do do is that we are um, a partner with rbc ventures and the reason why we were strategically Um, we we have that partnership up here in Canada is because we recognize that buyers need to understand their finances before they start. And so that's part of the Ojo model is that we want to make sure that people have not only a realistic understanding of of where they land financially, but they're also prepared. So what happens often is that buyers don't really know their price range, David, and, and that can leave them in all sorts of, Um, negative situations. Like, for example, they offered in a home, they overbid the, the uh, mortgage broker that says, look, we can only give you, you know, a $500,000 mortgage instead of the million dollar mortgage that they actually need to close in a property. And guess what, if it's, you know, all conditions are removed on that offer. You're in a binding contract, like you have to close and you're going to have to come up with the difference. So number one is making sure that the buyer actually is aware of what they can afford. And the second component, again, is making sure that the buyer can act quickly. One of the best pieces of advice that the realtor that I used, and I can give a shout out to her, Rachel Levy, (laughs) is that she made sure... That when it came out to time to buy, or there was a property that came up, we were the first ones in and we were offering. Like we were there, we did not waste a second. So um, the biggest mistake in my experience and an obstacle that many buyers are facing right now, given that it's so competitive, is that they have to act quickly and sometimes with imperfect information. So true. And yep. It's like you just gotta go. And and so what Ojo endeavors to do is to perfect the information for them. Make sure that they actually understand the home. They actually are able to find the homes that make sense for them. Because a big regret that many buyers have right now is as a result of this competitive competitive atmosphere is that they have to offer quickly. And sometimes they end up winning on homes you don't even want to live at. Yeah. yeah. The problem. That is right? So that's one. another component. Sorry, David. Go ahead, go
0: ahead. No, no, that that totally is, and and you kind of touched on a couple big ones, but um, I, I I wanted to I wanted to change up the subject of of something sure. that's very current. Um, you know, maybe a little off topic of what we're talking about, but kind of important in today's world, especially here in Canada. Uh, but let's let's dig into it a little bit more. So. The housing market itself uh, in Canada. I, I saw that you you posted something on social media a couple of weeks ago about how the war in the Ukraine in Ukraine will have an impact on the markets in Canada. Absolutely. While we're on the topic of markets in Canada, what kind of insight can you share on this? And 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 can you explain what you were getting at there for our listeners that may have missed that?
1: Absolutely. Um, first of all, David, thank you for bringing this up. Um, you may not recognize it possibly by my first name, but I'm actually Ukrainian. I'm half Ukrainian, half Italian. And I a hundred percent have family there. In fact, my amazing parents were taking in refugees um in, in the coming weeks as well. Um, hope you know fingers crossed that, that people are able to make it out. Yeah. Um, so so thank you for raising that uh that concern and it's funny very often we think well why do we why do we care about this this war in ukraine and and let's let's park the obvious humanitarian disaster that's happening right now and let me let me tell you with my family there it is a disaster so let's park that for a second let's just talk about know how this affects me, the Canadian who has no family there, no connection, several ways. We now are seeing it with the rise in just our energy costs. Our costs for energy are going up and it's going to continue to rise. So we'll say, well, who cares? That's going to affect my car, gas and my commute. That's not going to affect my home buying process. Oh, yes, it is. Here's why. First of all, let's just talk about location. Let's just pretend you've owned a home now and you were able you know, to get into the housing market and you were able to buy a home out in Hamilton. And now as the world opens up, you have to now commute back into the office in Toronto you're going to start to figure out very quickly that it's too expensive to do, number one. Number two, because you live outside of the core, what people don't realize is that your food costs are going to also go up. Forget potash being a big issue. That's the stuff that we use to grow food. Forget that. Let's park that. The actual transportation of food to those secondary markets is gonna get more expensive, which means your food costs are gonna go up. Okay, so let's go back to that person in Hamilton. Their food costs are going up. The commute into the city is gonna get more difficult and more expensive. What's gonna happen? They're gonna say, why am I doing this? And they're gonna wanna now live in the city where it's convenient and less costly to to commute. So I believe that we're gonna see a lot of people rethinking their decisions for moving an hour, two hours, hours, three hours outside of the city. Which thereby has an impact on the excuse me the strong demand that we have seen in the sec, what I like to call secondary markets so markets outside the core and I would say even markets outside large metropolitan areas we're going to see people say forget it it is too expensive and they're going to want to come back in now let's get to the other things um, okay let's say interest rates continue to go up yeah. you know I thought well once that happens certainly demand will dampen. Well, a couple of things. When demand goes down, we often hear pricing go down. Well, I think demand will wane, but I don't think price will fall as rapidly because the other component that happens to be affected is building costs. Mm -hmm. The cost to build Is ridiculous. So my fiance and I, in our infinite wisdom, decide to buy a home during the pandemic. Brilliant. Number one, and then we decided to do something even more brilliant, which is there was a lot of people
0: that did that. Come on,
1: oh David, shame on me being in real estate. And I saw the writing on the wall, and yes, yet I said let's do it. And so the cost, there's just one. I I can't believe it. So the cost for this one component, where and it's not even an extensive renovation, uh, went. I think what they f- increase about five times in price it's like this little wall thing that we like a wood wall thing david five times it increased mm-hmm. in price five times in a few short months you just wait it is going to get worse and so what does that mean even if demand goes down an opportunity that many home buyers have been waiting for the cost may still be buoyed and supported by the increasing cost of just construction alone. So I think the housing market will be affected in a very bizarre way in which uh, notwithstanding demand going down we will likely see more pressure and a sort of a whiplash back to the Toronto core, along with a continued increase in prices for home construction, thereby pushing more and more people out of the market as well. Yeah.
0: Uh, hard to segue into this next question, but I'll try my best here. So
1: I feel like you can do it, David. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll, I'll gradually laugh into it and say, oh, hey, let's try this. Uh, no, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, we have talked, I should say, about the connection between technology and real estate. Um. Yep. And and this is something that has grown immensely in the last few years, especially during the pandemic, as we've talked about. Uh, where do you think real estate technology is headed in the next decade, and what sort of changes are you expecting?
1: Oh, so fun! Well, wonderful question. I had the great opportunity to speak at an RBC uh, agent appreciation event, exactly on this topic, and so. It, it's a great opportunity to ask because a lot of us are contemplating it, especially since right now we're seeing an unprecedented amount of uh, not only US, but also Canadian money um, and Canadian institutions funneling tons of dollars into the prop tech space. And the prop tech space is broad. like It covers everything from green energy to listing services like ours, and listing platforms. So, so I'm going to focus in on how technology is impacting the realtor. Okay. And frankly... Um, I think a lot will change, but more will stay the same. And so what I mean by that is if you take a look at technology within our space, it originated, and many of these companies still do exist, uh, it originated in trying to remove the realtor. I won't name names that many companies will come to mind in which they provided listing platforms, Sons, Realtor, Um, they provided, you know, for example, you know, pay a thousand bucks and you can list a home by yourself and do that fun stuff. You would have anticipated that those companies would have flourished because the fundamental problem they were trying to solve, according to these outsiders, I suppose, of the industry, was that they're trying to solve the realtor question. Realtors were so expensive, and they thought that realtors were not, in fact, necessary for the consumer. Well, lo and behold, these technologies and these companies failed. And what we discovered and what we all now know is that the realtor is fundamental to the business. So so how does this relate back to your question about how technology will impact the real estate space? Not a lot when it comes to removing the realtor. And the reason being is because the technology companies now learned from those past mistakes and where they've uh, pivoted to it's something called power buyers or empowering rather the buyer or seller to make good decisions but not without the realtor so what i do believe we're going to see we're going to see uh, buyers excuse me buyers and sellers getting closer to the offer stage without a realtor but always wanting the sage advice of a realtor to help them go and make it to the end and here's why you'd think well Well, we buy clothes online now. We even are starting to buy cars online. And why why not homes? Like that's the natural next progression, right? Well, the reason being is because it's a different emotional experience. And what I mean by that is you don't do it often and it costs a lot of money. And if you make a mistake, it's a lot of money. Now, what does that mean? We don't want to make a mistake when buying a home. I'm okay to buy a crappy pair of socks off of Amazon (laughs) because it cost me five bucks. Who cares? I'm even okay to experiment at a new restaurant on Uber Eats because it's only cost me a couple bucks, right? I do it often. It doesn't really matter. But buying a home psychologically is different. And as a result of that, as a result of even, you know, um, doing anything infrequently, but that's expensive, we always get an expert to help. And, even if technology comes in to allow us to virtually see a home or allow us to um, track a via blockchain, for example, I think that's a long time away, but like <laughs> blockchain, um, you know, the, the sale of a home, we're never going to get rid of someone saying or double checking our assumptions and helping us through that process.
0: Interesting. Okay, so... Not as
1: exciting as you thought it would be. No, eh?
0: <laughs> no, but but you you brought up an interesting point though because you, you think about... Yeah, we we do buy literally everything online. Right, and I and I, I think yeah. I think you're right. I don't think we'll ever come to the point as a society that we'll be clicking on homes and going, yeah, that's good. It it, it just it just doesn't seem right. But let me ask you this then, uh, kind of related to it, we'll we'll combine it a little bit here. So the biggest sure. challenge for a realtor in the next decade. So what what do you think that's going to be then, and how do you get ahead of this challenge? Because if there is a challenge in anything in any aspect, and here we're talking about real estate and realtors, you want to yeah. get ahead of that challenge. So you're there to intercept any sort of future problems. What is the answer to that then?
1: Oh good question. Um I actually for this again touching back upon that thing uh that uh presentation I did uh I decided that I was going to look at the data as far as who is winning in this space versus who is losing and you can just tell by virtue of business like how many sales are actually doing okay so if that's our metric of winning and losing let's just base it off of that. I looked at the top, I believe it was the top 20 realtors over a decade and the top, the, the mid-realtors, the, so the mid-bunch of realtors over the last decade. And I compared um, how the volume of their business changed um, in 2012 versus 2022. Or excuse me, 2020, uh, 2011 and 2021, because we didn't have the full 2022 year. Okay. And what I saw was the top 15 they increased their business by 75%. And I thought, well, maybe it's because there are more listings that happened, right? So it could just be that more real estate is changing hands now than it did 10 years ago. Not true. The middle bunch, their volume of business dropped by 25%. And let's not even talk about the rest. Yeah. They just vanished. And so what happens and what has happened in the last couple of years is that the busier are getting busy. And the reason being, and I looked at the names and I looked at the people that were getting busier, certainly teams, being on a team or building a team is a huge part of that. But another thing that they did well and is that they provided incredible service that extended beyond just finding a home and submitting an offer. Let me give you an example of what I mean. The people who got busier would do things like, for example, if I'm selling my home, they come and they say, Natalka, we will help and pay for your staging. Um, If you are a busy mother who's got a job, I will make sure that everything circulates around your work schedule and your children's schedule. I will ensure that any showings you don't have to deal with for a second, I will manage all of that headache. If we have to declutter, you don't have to lift a finger. I will hire people to do that for you. The service is phenomenal and then after the home closes it's not like i don't hear from you ever again and it's not even that you gave me a nice little bottle of wine for the closing is that you service the closing you make sure you pick up the keys you make sure i have a lawyer involved you make sure that i've contacted my mortgage person you've made sure that you know on moving day that you've Organize and ensure that i'm ready to move on moving day you have the movers there so on and so forth and you show up with the duct tape not the duct tape the, the bubble wrap and so on and you get it done maybe to duct tape my mouth shut that's possible too um, no but, stop it. <laughs> i know i'm long-winded i know no my, my tells me all the time um but but you go and you extend beyond just The table stakes and the table stakes is finding a home online and sending it to me to view. Right. For a buyer, for example, you make sure that my day is organized. You make sure that, um, you know, if you if I love lattes from a small obscure coffee shop in the morning that we start looking at homes, you've brought it in your hand and you have it ready for me to go. If I love my gluten-free vegan chocolate chip cookies from so and so place, you're picking it up and making sure like you give that extra amount of support. So, so what we are seeing is that particularly millennials are insistent upon better. Service. We want it to be personalized, and personalized doesn't mean that you sent me an email saying, "Dear Natalka, here's a generic email that I sent to everybody." Personalized means that you remember the details about what I want and what homes I want to buy for my lifestyle. So true. So I'm going to take, yeah. I'm going to take it a, a step further, David, because I know that our audience is going to want concrete advice as to what that means and why the consumer has changed. David, when you buy, have you ever uh, um, ordered anything on Uber Eats? Absolutely. Okay, so so do you do this? Do you open it up to see what the status happens to be? <laughs>
0: all they- the all the time, <laughs> it's like okay. I'm, it's okay. like I'm 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 there monitoring with them, and it's like, why am I doing this? The the, the reason I ordered is so I don't have to worry about this, you know.
1: You got it. So you're on the phone and you're like you're picking it up. You're like, okay, is it done yet? Is it uh, think about it. this is a low cost, low risk thing. And I'm like obsessively looking at my phone. Is it? Oh, it's getting made. Okay, I can be like, oh, it's on its way. Oh, he's five minutes away. Oh, he's taking the wrong road. Why is he taking that road? You know, like that whole like I'm to call him. I'm We're living
0: the him. same like, lives. Yes.
1: Oh, for sure. That's me crazy. They said like they're taking the longer route. Why are they take? Are they using ways? I'm calling him. So the reason being that I raise this is because the new consumer of all demographics are now acclimated to having rapid and radical transparency into the process and all the information at their fingertips so they feel that they're in control. And that's something now that the new realtor must deliver to a buyer or seller. For example, if I am a seller, I want to know on a daily basis the number of showings we've had- the, the eyeballs on my head on on these if you're doing any advertising which you should be online the the type of advertising what platforms you have my house listed on I want to make sure it's on all the platforms so on and so forth I want to, like a weekly digest of feedback commentary everything you know competitor listings that are coming in that's new consumer Realtors must acclimate to this level of data and this level of information being delivered to their buyer and seller without them even asking you. you must have it ready. Uh, That's very, very important. Now, what hasn't changed is the fact that buyers and sellers also want to make sure that they're making the right decision. And the way you do that is by decluttering the information that's given to them. Let's talk about Ojo for a second. Ojo, on our site, we have a ton of wicked information about surrounding properties, all the type of questions that a buyer or seller rep is going to get from their client. We make sure that's accessible to the realtor, so they can feel empowered to give that information to their client. And the reason being is because that information will help the buyer and seller come closer to a decision, and also educate them so that that realtor um can sort of push the agenda, but make sure that um, that they're making the right decisions that are realistic for that circumstance. So again, to be you know fully clear on that point, the new realtor, in order to win is going to have to over-service beyond just matching them. That's table stakes now. And many great platforms like Ojo provide the ability for home buyers to find the right home for them as well. It goes way beyond that. And if I may interject, just add one last component that's really important for realtors to understand. To build their business, they must, must start collaborating and augmenting their current referral programs with lead gen. And the reason being is because even realtor.ca published some great data where we are seeing more and more buyers, I think to the tune of like 40% increase over the last year of more and more people looking online to connect with realtors, as opposed to saying, Hey, David, um, you know, who's a realtor that you really like? I, I need to buy a home. More people are now going online, looking online to find a realtor. A second interesting stat is that these very same people, a vast majority of them, I think it's about 42% according to a real, last realtor.com study will connect with and work with the first realtor they connect with. So the first realtor they interact with is the one that they're going to work with, that's 72% of sellers, 72% of buyers will do the same thing. Meaning if they find you online, they're very likely to connect with you. And so in order for a realtor to survive the next 10 years, as we all become more digital literate, you must have an online presence. And I strongly encourage you to augment your leads today with a honest, transparent uh, lead generation platform where you're connecting with high intent buyers and sellers.
0: Yeah, Very good advice, very good advice. So as president of Ojo Home Canada, and with your past real estate uh, experience that you have, what's the one thing you've learned uh, as an industry insider about the real estate business that every realtor should know? And I know you you kind of touched on a couple of really major points with those last answers, but is there anything, Natal- Natalka, that we're
1: missing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I believe that, that many realtors uh, are, are finally um, sort of walking into their own value and they're less concerned. And what, and what do you, what do you, what do you mean concerned. by
0: that? What do you mean by that? Walking oh, into that's own
1: good, value. they're, they're, they're now understanding that it's not about the data. It really isn't about the data. We were, I even remember when I started out, I was terrified, to be honest with you, that these, you know, the internet was going to come in and take my job because, you know, information is coming up. Even lawyers, we were totally petrified by the spread of information because that may mean that no one's going to use a lawyer anymore because they're going to have contracts available for them to, you know, tap, 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 put in their information and boom, spit out a contract. And guess what? None of those fears Actually came to fruition, and the reason being, um, and what realtors often miss is because their value has absolutely zero to do with finding the listing online, and and also the data around that listing, what it sold for, etc. Yep. Th- that information is now everywhere, and it has done absolutely nothing to impact the use of realtors. In fact, more people than ever are using realtors. Let's let that sink in. More people than ever. And so many realtors are freaking out about this company and that company when the reality is to put your head down, you're going nowhere. If and only if you provide real value that extends beyond simply pushing a listing over. Yeah,
0: Yeah. If you could make any change to the real estate system, and I'm just going to limit this to one, Oh, uh,
1: you already know me. Gonna,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, well, No, the thing is, it well, it, it's one of those topics, though, Natalia, and I think you'd agree with me here that we could have a a, a whole another podcast about. You know what I mean? It's one of those that we oh, can yeah. go back and forth and say, "What about this? What about this?" And let's let's vary this. So, let me ask you this then: uh, any change to the real estate system or the profession as it exists today? What what would that be for you?
1: Oh, I love this. And In fact, this is what made me also fall in love with with uh, with Ojo because he got it. Um, one thing that we do uh, is in our program, we do actually have a caliber that we, like a sort of um, a requirement of our realtors who join. So it's not just open to anybody. It's only open to realtors who've been in the business for three years and have closed at least 25 deals in the previous year. And that sounds like a huge ask. Um but the reason why we have that there is because we want realtors who are busy, who are dedicated to this industry, who have a clear understanding as to how to service people. And we see that, by, that's demonstrated to us by just the number of, of, of listings they've uh, or buying, excuse me, number of, of deals they've closed. If you've closed 25 deals and you've done it consistently, for example, that demonstrates to me that you treat your clients well. And so what I would change is that that level of scrutiny that we pay to our realtors um, and those that are part of our program would be paid elsewhere as well, like to the regulatory bodies, different to different levels as well? Because um, the biggest issue that we have as realtors is reputational risk, yeah. and if if you're not doing the industry a good job, at making sure that you're actually doing and serving and working hard and being Honest and transparent, which is something that we do at Ojo as well. That's why we believe having the information available is very important. Uh, Ensuring that those uh, consumers who want to work with a realtor know that there's a referral fee being paid, all of that transparency is so important um, because the new consumer not only demands it, but it's just the right thing to do. And so, if I were to change one thing, it's one thing that Ojo already embraces as a company, and that's making sure that uh, the industry is professional. It's fair and maniacally focused on ensuring that the buyer and seller have not only a good experience but a successful experience.
0: Natalka, this has been a, a just a brilliant interview. I've really enjoyed talking to you. But I'll, I'll leave you with this: um, Oh, yeah. is, is there is there anything else we're missing or anything else you'd like to share with us before we say goodbye?
1: Always. Always, let me take. Let me just chew on that one for a hot second. <laughs> you know, l- I, I
0: just- always, I always like to give, give you the last word here. You know what I
1: mean? <laughs> <laughs> that is so unique. You're the greatest. It's not the experience I typically have with my David. <laughs> um, um, so, so yeah. You know what? Let me let me say this. And it's sometimes it's worth repeating just because I'm long winded, <laughs> and uh, I, I say a lot of stuff, and we've covered a lot of ground. Ojo really is a unique platform for both the buyer and the seller and as well as the realtor uh, as far as a lead gen platform for them to use to build their own business. But the reason why it's really neat for the buyer in particular and, and really just so valuable is because you can search by attribute. That is not happening on any other platform that I'm aware of. There may be some in the US, but that I'm aware of in Canada. And that means that the buyer will be better able to find the home that makes sense for them, that extends beyond just two bedrooms, two bathrooms. And why is that valuable for the actual realtor in the end? It's valuable because that means that you can help usher in a faster deal and make sure that that buyer is actually not only successful on offering on that home quickly, but also happy that they've bought that home and you know again the reason being there is because the second biggest concern that buyers have is that if they buy that home that's right for them and we endeavor to ensure that the buyer not only buy the home for a fair price but also for a lifestyle that makes sense for them
0: thank you for your time
1: my pleasure thank you david
0: Before we go, I want to remind you that all ARIA members and their families have access to LifeWorks, a well-being solution that provides users with 24-7 access to counselors, specialists, and self-guided resources for dealing with all of life's moments. Visit ARIA.com forward slash LifeWorks for more information and to access the service. And I have some exciting news to share. ARIA's Reality Plus Conference is coming to Toronto in November 2022, and you won't want to miss it. It is going to be the only conference of its kind bringing together the greatest minds in real estate, politics, and marketing all on one stage. And you won't believe the speakers we have lined up. Pre-register now for the event everyone will be talking about at realityconference.ca. We're thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2 of The Standard, a 10-week interactive video series where members get to connect with ARIA Standard Forms experts in real time. The first episode goes live on April 14th at 11am. Visit aria.com forward slash the standard today for more information. The Forms team is also continuing to offer Forms Webinar Wednesdays throughout 2022. The next one is coming up on April 27th at 1 p.m., and it's titled Managing Delayed Offers and Seller Direction Form 244. Visit the standard form's landing page on aria.com to register. Tune in to ARIA's YPN Award Show live at 10 a.m. on April 20th on ARIA's Facebook page and Instagram to find out who the 2022 YPN Leadership Award winners are. We'll have a great conversation with them to learn about their careers and community involvement, hear their advice, and much more. And finally, don't forget to check out realheart.ca to read the inspiring stories of realtors giving back to their communities and to share your story. That's realheart.ca. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Real Estate Edition podcast. My name is David Bastel. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Visit aria.com slash podcast for more information, links, and a full list of our episodes to date. New episodes are out the second Tuesday of every month.